Hey guys, how are we getting on? Welcome back to the JCC podcast for episode number 42. I hope we're all having a fantastic day so far. And for anyone who is actually new to the podcast, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to jump on and have a listen today. And hopefully I can provide you guys with some really, really good value. So today's episode is all going to be around how, how to reduce hunger when dieting, even in an improvement phase but mainly when when dieting. And this has been the topic of conversation massively this week for for me and my team via via check-ins and my clients that I'm working with. So I thought this would be a really, really good opportunity for me to to give you guys some value as well. So a little bit of an update on me as well regarding my own journey from a training and body composition perspective in a really, really good uh, point at the moment with training being incredible, uh, enjoyment of, of sessions being very, very high. I've just finished up a, a deload and a de-volume de rotation, um, which was great. It got my desire to train back, which is fantastic. And that's also going to be a podcast topic that I want to cover, when to run deloads and de-volumes. From a business standpoint and just my team in general, everyone everyone is are absolutely killing it at the moment, to be honest. I couldn't be happier with with the team that I have uh, at the moment and everyone achieving and moving towards their end targets. I have four guys and girls at the moment who are prepping for a photo shoot, actually prepping for a photo shoot, and then another three who are prepping to be uh, to step on stage now at the moment, which are gonna be the first ever competitors that are coached by myself, which I'm incredibly excited for, and I know a couple of them might be listening to this today. Uh, very, very excited about bringing them through their own process. And just overall life with myself is, is fantastic. Um, you know, happy, enjoying, you know, everything that comes with the social aspects of life, training, nutrition, just overall life in general. And and uh, yeah, other than that, that, that's pretty much me and the updates on me. But in terms of this podcast as a whole, as discussed about, as discussed earlier, a lot of us will all try and, you know, this, this podcast is all about mindset and muscle and body composition as a whole, but a lot of us will be entering transformation stages, you know, transformation periods of time where we're trying to drop body fat. And that, of course, will come with, with some hunger. And I always want to try and start this off by just saying, you will not be able to diet without some hunger along the way. However, we can try and mitigate that and also just setting yourself up for, for maximum success, okay? So from a, a discipline's perspective, that is what's gonna keep you on track. Do you know, it, there's no two ways about it. You can have all the, the stuff that we're talking about. There's gonna be loads and loads of things that we can put into practice, but at the end of the day, there will still be hunger there at times and it's all about having discipline to get through those periods of time. So how do we stay disciplined? Do you know? Discipline for me starts with a, a firm why, okay? A big why is why we're actually dieting. Do you know, the big goals in mind, okay? Big, big body compositional goals. If you guys are, let's say you have a holiday in, in 16 weeks time. If you're doing a photo shoot yourself, like some of the guys and girls I have at the moment, who are a couple of weeks out from their, their shoot or a couple of the guys and girls who are 20 weeks away from their first bodybuilding show, whatever, or you're just simply trying to lose 10 pounds of body fat. Whatever the goal is now, you need to have a firm goal written in stone, okay, and timelined as well, okay? If we just say, oh, I'm going to lose 10 kilos of body fat at some stage over the next couple of years, it's never going to happen. So let's actually put a timeline in front and say, I want to lose 8 kilos of body fat in the next 16 weeks, averaging 0.5, or 0.5 kilos a week. That can easily be done for us, okay? And having that firm goal with a timeline in front of us increases your discipline immediately. 
There are also some things that we can do about building some some mental resilience and and doing things that we don't like. At the end of the day, we don't want to be hungry. Do you know? Well, some of us some of us might might, might like to be, but for the mo- most people, are just simply not going to want to be hungry. And there's going to be times where you're doing things that you don't want to do. So there are tasks that I talk about with my team regularly that we can actually put into practice to teach yourself to be mentally resilient, to, to have mental fortitude. Things like, you know, starting the day with a freezing cold shower, okay, for two minutes, winter, summer, spring, whenever it is, especially cold, much colder in the winter, of course, a freezing cold shower to start the day. You are not negotiating with yourself no matter what happens, it goes cold. You don't like it, it's not comfortable, but it's teaching yourself to do the stuff that you don't want to do. When the alarm goes off, you just get up immediately, okay? It's no no two ways about it. You put your feet on the floor and you stand up. It's not lying around, it's no snoozing, whatever it is. It's doing the stuff that you don't wanna do. Sticking cardio at the end of a really busy day, putting your meal, getting your meal prep done at the end of a, of a really, really busy week, going out and getting your steps done when it's raining. So all these kind of small little things that we can do to teach yourself to do the stuff that you just do not want to do. And the more of this you do, the much better discipline that you will have and the likelihood of you achieving body compositional changes are gonna be really, really, really high, okay? Some of that stuff might seem a little bit funny, a little bit strange. You don't have to do any of those, of course, but these are the kind of the stuff that that has helped me build my, my build my mental resilience over the years. I, I don't know if I got any of these from someone, do you know, if I learned them from someone, I'd love to be able to, to tell you who exactly it was or did I just find them out myself? I've just kind of, they've just occurred over the last couple of years for me. So in terms of discipline, that's gonna be the main driver force. But we can also talk about a lot of, of nutritional t- targets and calorie targets, etc., over this next period of time. So first and foremost, calories. Okay, where do we start our calories? If you're eating, let's say, if your maintenance calories are, let's say, three 3,000 calories, is it wise to half them, to move to 1,500 calories? Okay, one, it's going to be really unsustainable, but two, it's going to be very, very difficult to be able to execute those amount of calories and, and pretty much just, just stay in any way decent training performance, energy, mood, cognitive function, sleep, stress levels, etc. Okay, digestion for that. So I would advise moving something like about 20 to 25% calories, uh, dropping off 20 to 25% calories below maintenance, okay? So if we look at that for, for 3,000 calories, that's gonna probably hover somewhere around kind of 22, 2,300 calories, something like that to start, okay? It's a good chunk of calories that should get the ball rolling for us already, but it isn't incredibly large that so we've put it, dug ourselves into a hole in the first week of dieting, okay? The second thing that we can do is use protein as a really, really useful tool, okay? The protein targets that kind of the the average Joe population might look for, and you might see these figures, maybe 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilo of body weight, okay? That's fantastic, Joe. That's what the literature does show us. Sometimes you have to go outside of the book, okay? And for me, from a coaching standpoint now, for many, many years, I do believe that a slightly higher protein intake is a much, much more useful tool when, when trying to diet, okay? And we'll touch on why that is later. I like to kind of have a nice spread of anywhere between kind of 2.5 to 2.8 grams per kilo of body weight, okay? So for instance, let's say for, in, for instance, an 80 kilo male, a 2.5 to 2.8 grams per kilo of body weight, will sit at 200 to 224 grams of protein respectively for those targets, okay? So 200 to 224 grams of protein per day, okay? The reason why we go slightly less on that scale would be mainly, to be honest, is simply digestion. If, if 
a higher protein intake may have a negative effect on digestion, okay? A lot of people, I, I sit at about 225 protein a day now at the moment. I weigh in at, at 84.3 kilos as of this morning, okay? And I, I was at 225 protein when I was 73.7 kilos when I was dieting. So I find it absolutely perfect to have, but I know a lot of clients um, that I have at the moment will be on that lesser scale, even a little bit lower sometimes in 2.5 grams per kilo, maybe towards that kind of 2.2 target. But the reason why you may be asked to say, why would you keep protein a little bit higher? So it's, it's twofold mainly, well, maybe, maybe threefold. One, protein is gonna be, of course, a very, very important tool when trying to retain as much muscle tissue as we can in the dieting phase, okay? However, as this topic is about reducing hunger, okay, the most important thing about it is that it is the most, most satiating macronutrient out of the carbohydrates, protein, and dietary fat, okay? What that means is it keeps you fuller for longer. If you eat, eat 100 grams of protein, 100 grams of carbohydrates, and 100 grams of dietary fat, that is going to keep you more satiated than the other three, okay? Actually, you know what? I would say 100 calories worth of protein, 100 calories worth of carbs, and 100 calories worth of dietary fat, protein is going to keep you fuller for longer, okay? The second big benefit to it as well is that the, it has the highest thermic effect of, of food in general. So what that means, if I'm breaking that down, is if you eat 100 calories worth of protein, 100 calories worth of carbohydrates, and 100 calories worth of dietary fat, your body, or your body to break that those 100 calories down individually burns a lot more calories, not a lot more, but burns more calories through digesting and breaking down protein, okay? So if you eat a higher protein diet, your body's burning more, through more calories for free for you to br simply break that down. So you're creating more of an energy deficit. But the most important thing for me for that, it, it's minute, but you know what, the 1% add up, okay? So it burns more calories, but it keeps you the most satiated out of all the macronutrients, hence why I like to try and keep it a little bit higher. Number two then is going to be food sources. Actually, I won't, I won't uh, number these because I'll run. I, I don't have numbers beside them, and I always run out. I always forget which numbers is which. The next one I will say is going to be food sources. So let's pick food sources from the high satiety index. Let's say, for instance, if you're coming from an improvement phase, yes, you can have jasmine rice noodles. You know, uh, spaghetti and pasta, cocoa pops post workout, bagels, some jam. You know, dates. Um, bananas, pineapple. You, actually, you know those two are, st are still are still a, a very good source for dieting as well. But stuff like jam, honey, things like that, uh, pop tarts. Even I've I've seen people eat these kind of things are going to be incredibly low satiety. And the reason why people eat them is because if we're trying to eat four thousand calories worth of food or three thousand calories, people don't have the appetite for that. Eating things that are high satiety is going to be counterintuitive. So when we're dieting, we want to try and pick high satiety food, food, uh, foods to to fit the bill. So things for me, you, you, if any of you guys followed my own prep, I pretty much ate for the whole prep potatoes, sweet potato, and oats were my only carbohydrate sources for the last maybe ten weeks or so. The reason for those those three for me alongside of course fruit and vegetables but these are going to be mainly the kind of the main carbohydrate elements of the meal are going to be the highest satiety out of everything they're also the out of all out of all carbohydrate sources instead of pasta and rice if you look at you know 100 calories worth of pasta versus 100 calories worth of potatoes the potatoes are almost five times the volume so it's 100 grams is about 350 uh, calories for for rice 
and for 350 calories for potatoes, you might get 500 grams, okay? So it's five times the amount of volume for the exact same amount of calories, okay? Another little tip for this is to try and when you're volumizing your meals, you can also use like extra water in your oats, okay? So when you're cooking it, it, it somewhat makes the oats larger volume. If you have really little water in it, it's gonna kind of condense the water and condense the oats themselves. So using more water in your oats and spending a little bit more time maybe cooking them, okay, it might take a little bit longer to cook them, but the volume of the oats will be the benefit to that. Second thing is like, don't overcook your potatoes, just cook them until they're just about cooked. If you keep your potatoes in there for let's say 25 minutes, I used to cut them up into wedges, they're 25 minutes at about 180 to 200 degrees Celsius. If I left them in there for 35 minutes, they'd probably be half the size of what they are at 25 minutes. Just make sure that you don't overcook them. The same thing is with, with chicken. Um, chicken as well, if you if you uh, oven bake them, don't absolutely fry them and incinerate them. And they're literally like a, almost like a, a piece of popcorn chicken, almost the size of them. Just put them in and get get them cooked, of course. I'm not, not, definitely not advising not cooking them, but just don't overcook all your foods and just try and keep the, the minimum effective dose from, cook, from cooking to try and keep the volume as high as we possibly can. The last thing I would advise is try and minimize your liquid calories. If you're having, you know, um, even in your oats, you know, uh, like rather than having oat milk or just milk in general or even almond milk, you know, I, I would I would much prefer have water because that doesn't have calories and I'd much prefer have an extra 10 grams of oats or an extra 30 or 40 grams of blueberries in my oats rather than having almond milk instead, okay, especially if you're flavoring with some protein powder. Come in two protein powder, if let's say your your final meal of the day is a post-workout is your post-workout okay which is really really common like maybe rather than having protein powder with water which is just like liquid calories maybe actually having chicken breast i would much much prefer to eat 200 calories worth of of chicken breast and actually eating it rather than just drinking it through a through a protein shake or things like you know having more protein milk or fruit juices and and those what are they called again um can't remember those smoothies, innocent smoothies and things like that, that are all just gonna tot up a lot of calories, but not actually creating the satiety that we need. So it's volumized meals, high satiety food indexes, high protein intake. And then of course, the one that, that sticks out as well, it's gonna be fiber, okay? Fiber is, is a very, very important uh, important tool for actually causing like an expansion of, of the, the stomach itself. A nice little kind of, uh, um, guide to go off would be like 14 grams of fiber per thousand calories that you eat. So if we're kind of hitting around that that 2,200 calorie marker for that for that 80 kilo individual we touched on earlier, maybe around kind of 30 grams of fiber would have been a really good really good place to be. However, I will revert back to this again. The importance of understanding from a digestion standpoint, like if if we cannot stomach 20 30 grams of fiber is that going to be beneficial for us probably not so maybe towards the 20 25 grams or all the way to 45 grams i'm very very lucky in, in the fact that my digestion is absolutely immaculate and it has never ever ever given me any problem whatsoever but i i could probably stomach about 45 to 50 grams of fiber in my dieting phase and no problem but it's all individual and, and person specific which is pretty much what everything that i'm going to touch on today but i would always advise trying to keep fiber a little bit higher on the food spectrum so lots and lots of different 
colors, flavors, textures, families um, of fruit and veg that we can possibly use using things like with the skin on, like kiwis with the skin on, apples, of course, with the skin on, bananas, definitely not, not with the skin on, uh, but things like potatoes and, and stuff like that. If you can keep the skin on, the fiber intake is going to be much, much higher as well. I also find that having a slightly higher fat intake with a meal helps with slowing down the digestion. And this will kind of touch on my, my point a little bit later. Say like if you're starving in the evening, okay, if your final meal of the day is one that you, you've placed a bigger meal in, have some dietary fat in there. Don't have chicken and, and, and white potato only. Yes, there are two high satiety meals, but if you had, let's say, 5% beef mince or 10% beef mince or or even some oats and, and some almond butter, it's going to slow that down that digestion. Just the addition of some fat creates a little bit more satiety for me as well. So from a kind of a fluid standpoint, then is the last part that we'll touch on here in this section. I would advise something like a two and a half to 3.5 liters minimum of water. And I really do say minimum. I'd be, I remember on, on my prep, I think I was at about 7.5 liters myself individually. I have a couple of guys at the moment who are on 3.5 liters and they're maybe, maybe 65 kilos. And I have a couple of girls at the moment who are on eight liters who are maybe 50 52 kilos or something like that. So it's completely individual and person specific. Try find a, a figure that you're at, but I would not be dropping below, definitely not below 2.5 liters and I'll probably stay 3.5 liters is the minimum. And the last thing as well is gonna be the use of some like maybe Coke Zero or something like that every now and again. I wouldn't try and program this every single day, two or three of them a day. That's definitely not, not great for us uh, in my opinion anyway. So you can use these uh, sporadically across the week as well. So that's gonna be food cover. So, so touching base on that again, don't drop calories too, too low. 2.5, 2.8 grams of protein per kilo of body weight, high satiety food sources, volumizing our meals, being clever with actually cooking your meal as well and not rinsing through you know, 45 minutes on the under the grill with a piece of chicken and it coming out to the size of a pea. Uh, fiber, do you know, uh, fiber intake, 14 grams per, per, per thousand calories. Keep your water intake high and sporadically use Coke Zeros, etc. So those are all the techniques that I would use in terms of actual nutrition. Then the techniques that I would use as well are going to be somewhat, somewhat, uh, hopefully provide some good value. I think this is probably, I think a lot, a lot of you, you guys listen to this will know a lot of the stuff that I touch on there. Hopefully that you took some value from that, but I think this is where the value is going to lie the most. So techniques, first and foremost, let's kind of run through the day uh, as, as a whole. So we would wake in the morning, let's say for instance, that we wake at, let's say 7 a.m., okay? Do we need to eat a meal right away? The answer is, is probably not, okay? The, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say that the, the, the longer or the more spaced out that your meals are throughout the day, if you have 2,000 calories, four meals a day, they're 500 calories each. If you eat them in 12-hour gaps, okay, you're, you're the likelihood of you, excuse me, in a 12 hour window is the likelihood of you being hunger, hungrier in that 12 hour window is gonna be much higher. But if you reduce your, your time period to maybe let's say nine hours, the likelihood of you being hungry is gonna be much, much lower. So what I would advise doing is, if you wake up at 7 a.m., I would always advise probably somewhere between three and five hours intermittent fasting post-wake, okay? And this may be, 
difficult for the first couple of days, but your your hunger will be adaptive. It's not going to start to think of it like the hunger hormone is going to going to be called ghrelin. It's not going to keep knocking on the door if there's no one if no one's going to open the door up. It's going to say that let's not be hungry at this time. Let's not again remember that your body has to to utilize energy to to secrete ghrelin. It's not going to keep using energy if you're especially if you're in a deficit if if there's not going to be a response there. So after a few days or a week or so, that hunger hormone is going to reduce and thus why the intermittent fasting isn't as bad as then when it started. So push your first meal out to, to three to four, three to five hours post-wake. I would also advise trying to stay as busy as you possibly can, okay? Try not to sit there and just doing nothing all day is going to give you more time to literally just think about food. Try and try and do things, be really productive. I was in my prep, I've never been more productive in my whole life from a business standpoint. We set up the whole PHQ. I was always on my laptop doing this, doing that, content for for you guys, doing podcasts, etc. I was so productive and it was the best thing that I did because it just got my mind off actually being hungry. So staying busy is going to be key. And then in that three to five hour window, I would use water and also the use of some caffeine as well as a great appetite suppressant. Does that mean that I, Josh advises to have 10 cups of coffee in the first couple hours? No, absolutely not. But maybe like one, co- one ca- uh, caffeine hit maybe 45 to 60 minutes post-wake and maybe about three three to five hours post, post-wake again, then, then you could have another one. This just r- reduces hunger enough force. So that is going to be first and foremost the um, the the kind of the morning covered. Second thing that I'll touch on here is going to keep keep meal timings identical. I had the, the what really helped me was having the exact same meals at the exact same times every single day. Okay, can you guys do this and fit this into your lifestyle and schedule? Potentially and also potentially not as well. So you need you guys to figure out these times. But the more the more robotic that you can make your your lifestyle, the better. If you can train at the same time, sleep at the same time, hydrate at the same time, go to the toilet at the same time, have your meals at the same time, do your steps at the same time. I think I said training already. If I haven't, train at the same time. All of these things, your body just becomes, it just is almost allotted or aligned on your circadian rhythm. So certain times your body knows, almost can predict when you're going to be eating. And and until that time happens, it keeps hunger low. And, and when you're going to train, it arouses the nervous system for you to get the most out of your sessions. So my, my piece of advice here is to keep meal timings absolutely identical if you can, and that will really, really help your, your day-to-day. So if you, let's say, eat at 10, 10 a.m. for your first meal, if you've woken up at, at um, if you've woken up at 7, then you have your, your next meal, let's say three hours later at, at 1 p.m. and then 4 p.m. and then 7 p.m. That means you've had a nine hour eating window and you've had all four meals in there, okay? The next thing I would, be, I would talk about is almost like the eating practice itself, okay? It sounds a little bit strange, but but really, really, really important part. And I would almost, I would be 99.9% sure if you're listening to this podcast, there's a lot that you can take from this session, this section, excuse me. So the next time you eat, I want you to just stick your phone beside you and, and just put a timer on, okay? And actually just time it and just do it naturally. <laughs> Don't try and slow it down after you've listened to what I've talked about. The likelihood of your, your meal, the time of your meal is probably going to be anywhere between five and 10 minutes, okay? But there's a lot of literature and research that, that shows that the difference between maybe a five and 10 minute meal and a 10 to 20 minute meal in terms of the hunger hormone and also satiety hormone is night and day. If you eat a meal at five, for that spends anywhere between five and ten minutes, 
your hunger hormone is going to be still skyrocketing and your satiety hormone, things that keep you full, that sense fullness is going to be very, very low. If you take 10 to 20 minutes to eat your meal, hunger hormone is much less and your satiety hormone is much higher. So simply by taking longer to eat your meal creates more satiety in the body from a hormonal standpoint. The second thing is that when you're eating a meal, these are kind of things to, to long out your meal a little bit more. Try and have about 500 to 750 mils of water with each meal, okay? This will as well help you hit your water intake. What we have in the stomach is these stretch receptors. And when that stretches, it sends a message to the brain to tell you that the stomach is stretching and therefore it reduces hunger signaling from that, okay? So it tells your, your, your body that we don't want to get too much food or too much more uh, volume in here or else we'll overstretch. So it, it kind of shuts off the hunger, hunger, excuse me, hunger hormone signaling pathway then. So by simply just having a little bit more water, first and foremost, it slows down your meal, but second of all, it also creates more volume in the stomach, which, which reduces hunger signaling. I would advise to try and have about 20 bites per chew. First and foremost, this is gonna massively help your digestion, but it slows down the, the, the time eating your meal. I would also advise having putting the fork down between each meal. And I know a lot of clients will be, but a lot of clients listen to this, if, excuse me, if any clients are listening to this, will have heard this 101 times. It's actually in their, their handbook when they get onboarded. We talk about this kind of 5, 10, 15, 20 minute rule, and or 5, 10, 15, 20 rule, and all these factors are playing into, into it. You know, 20 bites per meal, putting your fork down in between each, each, uh, each bite, taking maybe five deep breaths before you actually go into your meal. They're all gonna help with satiety and, and excuse me, digestion, but also help with satiety as well. Also, from a psychological standpoint, eating with a small bowl or a small plate, if you have, you know, a chicken stir fry or something, or even let's say if you have an egg white omelet, if you look at that on a massive plate and it's a small, like 150 mil or 200 mil or gram egg white omelet, it's going to look really small. If you have it on a small plate, psychologically, it looks much, much bigger on the plate and it creates that, that kind of psychological change in hunger signaling as well. Also, eating with like a small fork or a small spoon. I used to eat my, my oats with this tiny teaspoon that we have, this specific tiny teaspoon that we have. It just slows the meal down. So it takes longer to eat your meal and therefore your hunger signaling is much, much less. The last thing and probably one of the most important things, and this is dieting phase, improving phases, whatever, whatever phase that you're in, remove your distraction remove distraction while you're eating. So if you're there watching YouTube the whole time, if you're watching videos and Netflix on your phone, are you actually staying present with that meal? Do you even remember the meal after? Remember when you're dieting and when calories get a little bit lower, I want you to think of the eating the the eating your meal as, as almost like a practice. It's almost like a ritual where you want to stay present and actually focus on the meal, the taste, the flavor, like what's actually going on in your mouth and mechanically digesting the food. Again, these kind of small little tips, the 1% have a massive profound effect on hunger signaling. The last last couple of things that I'll touch on is evaluating the day when you're the most hungry, okay? So evaluate your day and, and ask yourself, what, what meal during the day am I the most hungry? Or what time of the day am I the most hungry? Simply picking up and placing higher volume and higher calorie foods in that time period is gonna be key. Let's use myself for an example. This is very, very common as well. The morning time is, some, is a time where you are not as hungry, okay? But the evening time, once you're kind of sitting on the couch in the evening, it, hunger is on the mind. First and foremost, the reason for that is because 
we're, we're chilling out on the on the couch just watching something on tv and you're, we're not staying active we're not staying busy in the morning when we're commuting to work when we have lots of stuff when we open up our our laptop or something and we see a lot of emails we have lots of work to do in the morning that's a time where we don't need as much food because hunger signaling isn't as high and we have the use of some caffeine in there so what I would do then, and this is again something that I would, I would I would use a lot with clients. Let's say with like an egg, like one whole egg and an egg white omelet, maybe some some chicken breast and some some mixed veg in there in the morning. That could be sub sub three hundred calories in the in there. I'd much prefer instead of having five hundred calories in the morning, five hundred calories in the evening. I'd much prefer having maybe three hundred calories in the morning and then pushing seven hundred calories in the evening with something really high satiety. Let's use something like oats. Uh, maybe some oats, some blueberries, and some almond butter in the evening, and then also maybe some some whey protein in there for flavor, or if you wanted to create even more satiety through that, having some chicken breast on the side, something like that. Doesn't sound amazing with the chicken breast and the oats, but honestly, when you're when you're that deep into dieting phases, if you had the chicken with some maybe some iceberg lettuce and some zero cal seasoning, um, and then the oats after, then almost like a dessert, a really really high satiety food uh, a meal to have. The last one, and this is a little tip and trick, actually, on a previous podcast, I actually, I don't know if I was chatting to Luke about this before or after the podcast, but a really good podcast I did with Luke Luke, Luke Lehman, excuse me, from Muscle Nerds, um, we talked about this jelly and something I'm programming a lot for clients at the moment, you know what, not even programming it because it's so little calories, I just advise them to have one. You can get these like seven to 10 calorie jelly options. The one that I use or the one that I've, I've, I bring up to show clients is called Hartley's, okay? It's like a jelly pot, 10 calories. It's from the UK, um, but there's loads of different options that you can get in, in supermarkets. Seven to 10 calories, high in volume, gets that, hits the sweet tooth force. It's enjoyable. It's something to add into the end of the day. It's not even worth tracking as well because it's so little calories. So that is pretty much it in a nutshell. Okay, lots and lots of info there. And remember, there is no magic formula here. There's no magic pill, there's no magic foods, there's no magic meal timings. At the end of the day, you are gonna get hungry. Okay, it's all about just keeping disciplined, keeping resilient, having our why at the forefront of our brain to be able to keep moving forward. But these tools that we've talked about here, in terms of everything from a nutrition standpoint, protein, fiber, water intake, etc., volumizing the meals, but also the techniques we can use, the intermittent fasting and the actual, the, the practice of eating the meal, I think would be the most important thing for us to, to say. So hopefully you guys have taken some value from it. Please keep sharing the podcast on, on, on your stories, guys. I really, really do appreciate it. And it really does help me out and it helps me out to uh, reach more people. And the more that I can see that you guys are enjoying it, the more frequent these podcasts, of course, can be. The last thing I'll touch on is gonna be coaching spots. So coaching, uh, coaching spots are available for our May intake now at the moment. If you guys are interested in transforming your physique, um, please hit the apply for coaching button, which I'm actually gonna link in the description. Book in your free call then with myself. We can chat through your, your own results roadmap of how we wanna achieve the long-term goal and vision for you. Other than that, guys, really, really looking forward to hearing how, how you guys uh, thought this episode was. And other than that, then we'll touch base in the next one.